You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Well, it's uh, great to be with you this morning. I'm very excited uh, to be here with you. Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I've grown up here my whole life, right? I mean, before I was born, you know, in my mother's womb, I was attending this church. So it's just so cool to be here this morning. Um, but man, even though I'm in the building every single week, I work here, every day I'm in the building, I feel like I haven't been here on a Sunday morning in Messina in a long time. When I do, I do worship, and then I'm running to Augensburg. So I've been very involved in our Augensburg uh, church plant, which is doing amazing. If you haven't, uh, feel free to stop by and give it a visit, meet uh, your new brothers and your new sisters, a new family that God is, is growing in Augensburg. It's just been so cool to see. Um, what he's doing there, and even just how we ended up there, and just the blessings that, that God has provided for us is just amazing. Um, so if you haven't, I just encourage you guys to, to feel free to stop by our, our Augensburg uh, church plant. They're doing amazing. Um, and uh, it's, it's cool to be here, to be home. You know, this, this, this church, I think, will just always be home, right? I, I grew up here. And it's really encouraging to me to come back, spend some time here, and see faces that I don't know, right? That's a sign the family is growing. I just met this last week my, my newest little niece. Her name is Renly, Renly J. Um, I met her this past week. And it's just amazing to, like, put, I've known her name for a while, but I got to see her face. And I got to meet her. And that's a beautiful thing, right? When the long-awaited family, all of a sudden you meet them and there's a connection and so I'm just so excited for that to happen uh, this morning and so glad to see that God is, is doing something here. Um, we have an awesome kids program here as well. I just, I was thinking about this during worship um, that, you know, the wor- I always think, you know, the worship team, the speakers and stuff, they're on stage and, you know, they kind of get thanked all the time. But I just want to thank all of our kids church workers because they are amazing. Seriously, they're just so dedicated. Um, and if, if, parents, if you are ever um, worried about your kid, um, I remember being in this building and, like, I loved pulling the fire alarm, and I did it twice. <laughs> so if, if you're ever worried as a parent, like, ugh, like, my kid, what is going to happen with them? Like, they let me be a pastor, and I pulled the fire alarm all the time. So there is hope in the morning, amen? Um, <laughs> so it's just awesome to be here, and I just want to pray before we jump into the word. Is that okay? All right, so let's just ask God just to be with us this morning. Father, we just thank you for your presence, God. We just thank you for who you are, Father. We love you. God, we are just so excited to spend time with you this morning. God, this is the most important thing we do today, Father, is to be with you, is to worship you. Father, so we just thank you for just an incredible time of worship. We just thank you for your presence. And God, we just pray that this morning as we just dive into this word, God, that, that you do something in our hearts, we pray this morning, God. Father, we thank you. You are good and we love you. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Well, this morning I would love to talk to you about uh, trust, which is funny because people have already tried to steal this word from me this morning. Julie, thank you. Um, <laughs> but God is obviously doing something this morning where he wants us to trust him and to rely on him. Uh, so the, the title of my message this morning is going to be on trust. And this idea of trust 
really came from, and I've recently just been asking God, like, about hope. You know, I, I, I see a lot of people, and I know a lot of people who just seem that they don't have a hope. And I've just been praying, God, will you give your people, will you, will you just shower us with hope, right? Like, that we can have this great expectation that there is more to come. You know, as I, I dug into the word hope, like what is the, the biblical kind of meaning of hope? Because when we, I hear the word hope, I kind of think of like a, a wish upon a star almost. Like, oh, well, maybe. Like, well, there's a chance. Like, it's hope, right? I don't know if anyone here is a Star Wars fan, but like, you know, in uh, there's uh, episode four, it's called A New Hope. And they're like, well, there's a chance now. Like, maybe we can actually get free. Maybe we can actually, you know, defeat this evil empire. Maybe it can happen. But hope is not this wishy-washy, ethereal, wish-upon-a-star thing. Hope, in the, the Greek word is elpis. And that word means a strong and confident expectation. It's not this like, oh, maybe it's an expectation. Uh, not just an expectation, a strong and confident expectation. And I can't think of a, a better word for that than, than trust. That there's a trust in us, a knowing that God is going to move, that God is going to come through. And this morning, I really feel like God wants us to evaluate where our trust is and where our hope is. Is our trust in him? Because if our trust isn't in him, I don't think we're going to be able to do the things that he's called us to do, both individually and as a body. So this morning, I really want us to look into trust. Where is our trust? And where do our actions actually say our trust is? We may say that we trust, but where, is that, where do our actions say that our trust lies? So this deep and confident expectation. I want everyone to think about someone that you trust immensely. Not God, that one doesn't count, someone else. <laughs> think of someone you trust immensely. Does everyone have someone in your head? Now I want everyone to think of someone that you do not trust much at all with anything. If you gave them a dollar, you would like... Be pretty confident you're not going to get that back. What is the difference? What is the difference? It's the actions, right? Like either proven time and time again, one way or the other, that they're going to come through or they're going to be late every single time. Right? Our actions, they, they build this, this, this character, this picture of us. And God is someone who is absolutely trustworthy. He is absolutely trustworthy. We don't have to, to live this, this safe, comfortable life, always being in control because we know that we can actually trust God. And if you haven't experienced having to trust God, I want to talk about that a little bit, about that today. And how do we step into that? Because I think if we don't give God the opportunity for us to trust him, then we can never really trust him the way that he wants us to trust him. So Psalm 37 Three through five says this. If you ever read the Psalms, I mean, King David is just, he's amazing, right? He's written most of the songs, uh, Psalms, and that you'll see that, like, there's just this roller coaster with David all the time. He's like, Father, deliver me. You know, why, why is this, you know, my enemies surround me and this and that and that. And then he's like, you know, who is greater than God? He is the rescuer and the deliverer and the, like, so you just see this, like, anyone ever feel like you're on a roller coaster sometimes? Like, feel better, because King David was very much like that. So Psalm 37, verse 3 through, five, 3 through 5 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I love, I love this, last, this last line. My, my translation says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will act. When we trust him, he comes through. Now, we may have had experiences with people who, when we put our trust in them, they didn't come through. And maybe it's left you jaded. Maybe it's left you burned. Maybe it's left you feeling like you can't trust. But God is someone we can always put our trust in because he always comes through. Some of us may be uh, very familiar with this this morning, this idea that I know that my God comes through. And some of us, because of life experiences or because of different hurts in our past, may have this, this kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to put my trust in God. But I want to read this story of Abraham and Isaac. You know, I, I told a friend um, this last week, they were like, hey, you're speaking this week. And I was like, yeah. And they said, what are you going to speak on? And I said, I'm, uh, how I, want, I really feel like God really drew me to, to the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22. I really feel like that's where God, you know, like that he highlighted this idea of trust in me. And he just goes, oh, bold move. And I was like, oh, really? Why? And he goes, I just, you know, child sacrifice. It's kind of like a bold move to preach about on Sunday. And I was like, oh. So hopefully this, uh, you get something out of this and don't think you have to sacrifice your children. Okay. So let's just get that clear right now from the get-go. Um, we don't want to start any rumors. There's a live stream right now. Um, <laughs> so in Genesis 22, I want to open up to it. And gosh, I love, 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 love this story. So I'm going to read a little bit out of Genesis 22. Can you read with me? This is a part a lot of times where we lose some of the youth. Is when we start reading more than like 10 verses, they, they start to like, oh, like, so I'm gonna try to pull you back in, okay? Stay with me. Can you stay with me? We're gonna read some of the Bible here. So Genesis 22, it says, after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land. I read that Moriah. So we're going to go with Brushin Moriah right there. And offer him there as a burnt offering as one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And it says, so Abraham rose early in the morning. And the first point is, immediate obedience is always better than eventual obedience. <laughs> When we immediately respond to God, there's a trust. And we eventually, or maybe, or we think about it, we're trying to control still, aren't we? And trust and control don't belong in the same sentence together. When we trust God, we're surrendering control to him. So I want to encourage you this morning, when God puts something on your heart, when God gives you something to do, when he assigns you something, when he speaks something to you, let it be an immediate obedience. Don't let it be a, well, one day, or when I get this figured out, or when I can get this settled, immediate obedience is always better than eventual obedience. Where does your trust lie? We want to be people who immediately respond to our Father. So it says that Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son, Isaac. And it says that he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. And this scripture really, so I've read this story a million times. 
but I'd never noticed this part before. I just kind of skipped over it. And I felt like God just like, boom, like made me pause when I read on the third day. Like if you guys ever, you know, you've, you've th- this is an amazing thing about God is he's, he's endless, he's limitless, right? Like you, the rest of your life, you can spend just absolutely devoted to him and there'll still be more to him, right? He's limitless. And, and I've read this story a million times, but he showed me something new in, in his word that I'd never really picked up on before and says, on that third day, and all of a sudden, like, I'm not really, I'm not an emotional guy. My wife can attest to this. I was the guy who didn't cry when she walked down the aisle. One day there will be forgiveness and restoration and, and healing. We pray in the name of Jesus. But, but I did not weep. You know, you, like, you see on Facebook all these memes of, like, some girl posted, like, you know, if, if, if my man don't cry when, when I walk down the aisle, I'm turning around and we're doing it again, you know. <laughs> Um, but she's not like that. Thank you, babe. I love you so much. Um, but I'm not an emotional guy. I can't remember really the last time that I cried, but I, uh, I started to get, like, emotional when I read that. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what is wrong with me? Like, it's just a word. It says on the third day, there's nothing even overly, like, significant or beautiful or wonderful about this. And I feel like God just, tell, like, put me where Abraham was during those three days. Like, in this kind of weird way, he's just like, what do you think Abraham was thinking during those three days? I've d- so if, if we go back, a little bit of context. God has said to Abraham, I will bless the nations through you, right? Your, your descendants will be as abundant as the stars. He says this to, like, a 90-year-old guy without any kids. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars, right? Through, the, through you, the world will be blessed. And he says this to this guy who has really no hope of that promise ever actually happening. But he he puts his trust in God. Eventually, if you know the story, he kind of tries to make it happen on his own. He's like, oh, well, what if I do this? Or what if I do that? Or what if I, you know, doesn't work out all that great. When he finally puts his trust in God, God says, if you trust me, it'll happen. When you put your trust in me, I act. As that psalm said, right? When we put our trust in him, he will act. So Abraham puts his trust in God, and God acts, and he gives him this son. I think the scripture says when he's 105, Isaac is born. That's old. (laughs) And so he has this son who's the promise. This kid is the fulfillment of the promise that God has placed over me, over my house. And then God says, I want you to kill that promise. Like, whoa. Let, take away the fact that it's his son, his one and only son. Like it, Then he says, I want you to kill this promise. So it's a death of two things, a death of his son in whom he loves so much, and two, of the promise that God has placed over his life, the covenant that God has made with him. If you are Abraham, what the heck are you thinking? Like as he's walking, through the desert, as he's saddling this donkey and getting ready, God doesn't give an explanation. He doesn't say, hey, I kind of want to test you, and I kind of want to see what, like, don't worry, I'm not really going to do it, but I really want to see how you respond. He just says, go to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son. No context, no reason. So for three days, Abraham is walking just with this, I can't even imagine what he's, the, the turmoil, the questions of, what did I do, God? Has anyone ever, like, wondered that? Like, God, what did I do? Like, 
why is this happening? Hey, I don't know if you've ever experienced great loss. I don't know if you've ever had you know, something happen to you that just doesn't make sense. You felt went even against the promise that God had for your life. Some of us might right now be in the middle of those three days where you're just asking why. What is going on? And I want to encourage you this morning that Abraham kept walking toward that mountain. And he was able to see the faithfulness and the promises of God fulfilled. But I, I, I couldn't help but wonder if Abraham just decides not to trust God. What does the rest of his story look like? Is he known as the father of our faith? Is he known as one of these pillars you know, in, 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 in uh, our, our faith? He probably walks away being like confused, angry, disheartened, like, God, what the heck? So his choice to trust God or to not made such a huge difference in the rest of his life. He was either going to be like, no, I, I don't trust you. I'm not going to do that. And he'd be angry and bitter toward God. Or he would say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. And he gets to see the faithfulness of God, that God keeps his promises. So if you're in one of those seasons this morning of, God, what is going on? I just want to encourage you, like Abraham, keep walking toward that mountain. No matter what you are feeling this morning, keep walking toward that mountain. So on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. I can just feel the dread in his heart as he walks and he sees this mountain and he knows that the time is near. And this whole story is just such a picture of Jesus, obviously. You know, Abraham even, you know, says, you know, he puts the sticks on Isaac's back and tells him to, to carry them up the mountain. And it's just a picture of the cross on Jesus, right, as he, as he walks up that hill. So I love this story. I love what it says. But it says, as we continue, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and we will worship. This is actually the first mention of the word worship in the Bible. And we could, we could spend Eight and a half hours on that, but we won't. <laughs> and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son Isaac. So it's a picture of Jesus. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they were, went both of them together to the top. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood we have. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of God, he told them to go. Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, or it laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to harm him. For now, I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your own son from me. 
And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, and offered it up as a burnt sacrifice instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is still to this day. On the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. God will provide. When God asks you to do something, he's going to provide. He does not begin something that he does not intend to finish. Right? That's who our God is. That's who he is. He will not give you a task or an assignment or a passion for something that he will not give you the gifts and the abilities and the anointing to do. It's who he is. Now, that doesn't mean you have every single little thing figured out before you step into what he's called you to do. I think it's the opposite. I think there's a blessing in obedience. So when we step out in obedience, we say, all right, God, here I am. Right? We see over and over and over again, Abraham say that, here I am. There's an obedience to God. And as he stepped out in obedience, God provided what he needed every single time. Our God is trustworthy. Whatever he asks us to do, he will fulfill it. So if Abraham doesn't trust God, if he decides, no, I'm actually, I'm not going to do that. It's too painful. I don't understand. You haven't given me enough information. He misses out on a life-changing moment with his father. Like a life-altering moment. He walks away angry and confused, but Abraham's life, is the way that it is because he trusts God. He trusted him when it didn't make sense. And that's kind of the, the kingdom of God a lot of times doesn't make sense. I don't know if, if you've been you know, a follower of Jesus long or maybe you, you aren't today, but just a little tip, a little clue in. Uh, the kingdom of God doesn't make sense. In this way, it is totally upside down. It's totally upside down in multiple ways. One of the ways that the kingdom of God is just upside down is Jesus says, whoever wants to be the greatest has to be the greatest servant. If you want to live, you must die. Wait, what? Jesus, what does that mean? If I want to live, I have to die? If we want to have true life, we have to lay our own life down. Jesus tells us, right, to love our enemies. Not just like, hey, just don't kill them. But like, no, like to love them. This doesn't make sense. In order to gain, you have to give. That does not make sense. Our weakness is actually our strength in God. These things don't really make sense until you experience them. Like, I remember hearing these things growing up, like, you know, all the, all the things of the kingdom of God. And they didn't really make sense. Like, okay, they sound all poetic and cool. Like, you know, in order to gain, you have to give. Ancient Chinese proverb or something. That was in my fortune cookie. Um, but they might not make a ton of sense until you trust God enough to start walking in them. And then you see the realities and the truths that Jesus taught us. Right? When Jesus says you have to give in order to gain, that is a fundamental truth that I have discovered that, God, when I pour myself out, when I give of myself, whether it be uh, time, whether it be even finances, God, whatever it is, God, like, there's a blessing. There's a gaining that happens to me. And we, we can't experience these things until we step into them. You know, a, a Christian life 
void of trusting God just is boring. You know, I'm a, I'm a youth pastor, obviously, right? And uh, I've had a lot of conversations with young people where they're just like, well, I don't, I'm just bored with this. Like, I just, we just show up and we do this and we, do, and we try not to do bad things, right? And it's just, it's boring. You know, all my other friends are doing this and they're doing that and there's no limitations and they can just do whatever. So, like, I remember, you know, this, this one conversation specifically sitting out in the lobby and them just being like, I'm just bored. And they're like a fun-loving, you know, individual. And they're just, I'm just bored with this. And I said, I just, you know, if I was living the life that you are, I would be 100 like, I'd be with you 100%. The way that you follow Jesus is incredibly boring. It's a bunch of rules. It's a bunch of regulations. It's a bunch of do's. And it's a bunch of don'ts. And you have not tasted or experienced the power, the faithfulness, and the goodness of God because you have, you're not placing your trust in him. You're trying to have all control in this relationship, and it doesn't work that way. When I surrendered control of my life, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, I do it every time when Jesus is in complete control, because a lot of times I say, oh, okay, Lord, I'll take the wheel. Thank you very much. Not interested in doing that. He's working in me. Jesus, help me. But when we start to surrender our life to God, we start to actually be able to taste of the life that he has. Right? Jesus says in John 10, 10, right, but I have come to bring life and life more abundant. Like, I mean, just living for Jesus is like the craziest adventure that you can do. Like, I'm a big, like, adventure guy. Like, I just love knowing, you know, what's around the next bend in the river. You know, what's, if I go, you know, another mile into the woods, what does it look like? You know, what's at the top of the mountain? Like, I just love this, like, this thought of the unknown. Right? Like, I love all these, you know, um, I love watching about, you know, old, you know, history things. And I, I just, I love learning about, like, you know, what, what has happened, but, but specifically, like, what's the unknown? Like, there's this thing for me in, like, adventure. I just, I love it. I love it. And following Jesus is, like, the best fulfillment of, of, of that love and desire that I could ever have. I mean, the things that he asked me to do are just terrifying and wonderful and amazing and beautiful and totally frightening. Um, but, man, the life, the, the life that Jesus has brought into me is amazing. I've been able to taste and I've been able to see of the goodness of God. And as a youth pastor, that's really my desire for young people is that I can somehow impart this, this truth that following Jesus is the best thing, the craziest thing, the most exciting thing, but also at the same time, the safest thing that you could ever do. Like when, when we surrender control to Jesus, something happens. I don't, I don't want us to be like just go to church people right I say that at youth all the time like I don't like don't just come to youth please and just sit here in a chair and then like chat with your friends after like do something like you know like one question I always try to ask our youth is like now like you know whoever just shared whether it was me or whether it was a student or one of our leaders you know whoever it is like hey that's a great word but let's not say wow that was a great word let's say wow what are we going to do with that Right, like there's a response in following Jesus. And if, if we are just come to church, sit in our, our seat, people, we are so missing out on the power, the faithfulness, the goodness of God in our lives. If we're not giving him the opportunity 
to show us his faithfulness. Oh, we are robbing ourselves. You know, you, you hear all the time growing up, like, you know, God will provide, right? I mean, you know, Abraham just said it, you know, God will provide, Jehovah Jireh, right? We, uh, all the time, my parents would, would say things like, um, you know, uh, my parents are just extravagant givers. You know, they just, whenever there's like something that needs to be given to, they just, shoot, they just give to it. They're probably mad that I'm saying that. But they just, they give, they give, they give. And they always would say this thing, like, you can't outgive God, you can't outgive God, you can't outgive God. They just tried to pour it into us over and over again when we were young. And I remember finally coming to, to the, the place where, you know, I was, um, I had an actual job, you know, like probably for the first time where there's an actual, like, income coming in. And um, uh, I, God really challenged me uh, to start tithing. And I was like, yeah, all right, Lord. And so, you know, okay, I started doing it. You know, but I still live with my mom and dad, so there wasn't, like, this great, like, weight of, you know, if I don't have enough money, you know, I don't get fed. It's like, no, mom's going to feed me, you know. <laughs> I'm going to wake up in her house, you know, in their house, and uh, everything's going to be fine. So there wasn't this great weight of, like, trust, really, at that point. Fast forward, I'm tithing. I'm a good Christian boy, right? Um, I'm working here at the church, but I really feel like God really challenges me that I'm supposed to be giving more. And I was like, well, I thought the deal was like 10%, right? Like, isn't, are we renegotiating the terms because is it just me or are you doing this to the whole church? Like, what is happening here? Um, but <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure it's 10%. I'm pretty, I checked the math. I'm like, no, we're good. We're good, Lord. It's, everything is in order. You know, I'm even paying the extra $3 for like the online processing fee, which isn't specifically in the Bible, but I'm doing it. So there's, again. Um, but <laughs> I really felt like God was like, I want you to model giving at a deeper level. And I was like, yeah, yeah, there's probably better people to model, Lord, but, and at this time, I was, you know, living on my own, right, in an apartment, actually had bills to pay for the first time, and, you know, like, I love being a youth pastor, and they, they don't make, like, a ton of money, so, like, I was like, Lord, like, uh, but I, I just couldn't get away from his, his just pressing, give your trust, give your trust, give your trust, give your trust. And so, like, I'm, like, you know, a logical person, and I'm doing the math, and I'm, like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, literally, I don't know. And my fallback was, like, well, I could always just not get groceries and just go to mom's house, like, every day. That was, like, the fallback. I was, like, we can save at least, you know, there's probably, like, $100 we got to make up here. Like, what if, if we go to mom's, there's a grocery bill. Okay. Like, I will survive. And that was kind of, like, that was kind of the main, the main, my desire. Like, God, this isn't going to kill me, is it? Um, but I was like, I, I'll live. And so I just said, all right, Lord. Uh, okay, I'm going to start giving this amount that you want me to give. And it was painful, and I was kind of mad about it. Um, but I just said, God, okay, he just was asking me, where did your trust lie? And I had to make a decision, where does my trust lie? You know, tithing is not about giving, you know, hey, God, you know, you owe God, your bill is due. Um, but it's about where's my trust? Because, man, our trust is in money, especially in the West, like, our trust is in money, right? Because it's control. If we have money, we have a sense of control. But again, trust and control don't go together, right? Trust is surrendering control. And so in this moment, God is asking me to surrender control to him. And so I do it. All right, Lord, I do it. I surrendered control, and I started giving the amount that I felt like he asked me to give. And, you know, that's not something you, I mean, I'm doing it now. But it's not something you go around, like, telling people, like, hey, like, I'm giving. It's, like, one of those things that, like, you just have to do and, like, 
you know, you can't brag about it, right? You got, we got to be holy, right? We can't be prideful people. And so I'm just like, oh, man. Like, so no one knows I'm doing this other, you know, than myself and God. Um, and then uh, I remember, you know, uh, Jason coming to me and being like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know. And I can't remember. It was like one of two things. Like where Jason came to me like two weeks later. Jason is, you know, he's our, our financial pastor here at the church. And, you know, he runs our payroll and everything. And, um, and he says to me, uh, um, I don't know if, like, I did something wrong or, like, there was some tax thing. But he's like, you should be getting, you know, this much in your check and you're not. And I was like, <gasps> no way. And it was, like, a few dollars more than the amount that I just decided to give God. <laughs> and it was, like, two weeks later. And I was just so amazed, like, wow, when mom and dad say you cannot give God, they're right. Like, he gave more, like, than I gave to him. God, do I have to start tithing in that now? Or how does that work? But um, anyway, so, but God made up more than the difference of what I just decided to give him, like two weeks later. And so, but if I just say, no, thanks, God, I'm going to do it. Like, I'm giving the 10%. You can't change the deal right now. Like, it's in the word, you know, 10%, and I'm doing that. Like, if I just decided, no, I'm going to put my trust in, you know, I need this money to, to, to eat. Um, if I put my trust in my sense of control, I would have missed out on experiencing the blessings of God. Like, I would have missed out on, for the rest of my life, knowing the fundamental truth that I can't outgive God. And that when he says he will provide, he means it. Financially, even, which I was like, oh, I always thought you providing was like this spiritual, I'll provide for you. And he's like, no, here's a check. And I was like, thank you, God, you're so good. <laughs> but I would have totally missed out on that opportunity. You know, I remember Pastor Greg asking me to go to Columbia, which for the rest of my life I would think was just really a bad leadership decision by him. Like, I was a momentum student, didn't know what I was doing. Like, I didn't even really know what prophecy really was, but apparently I had done it several times to, like, individuals or something. And he was like, hey, you, I think, you know, me and Pastor Don think you have a prophetic gift. You should come to Columbia with us. Oh, I think I lost the mic. It happens. Ah, and it's back. Thank you, Lord. But I was like, sure. But I kind of thought I would be the bad guy. You know, like, oh, you know, Pastor Don's getting up there in age a little bit. If you listen to this, Pastor Don, I love you. Um, so, like, okay, I'm probably going to, like, you know, I'll be the bad boy. You know, like, you know, I'll be the, what do they call it? I'll be the armor bearer, you know. And I mean, I'll carry their stuff and, you know, just, just looking forward to spending time with them. And, you know, we get there and then it comes, you know, the truth is revealed that, you know, I have been lied to and misled. And that, you know, I'm going to actually be prophesying with them over this, you know, whole church. And I was like, that seems like a poor decision by our leadership to allow me to do that. Um, but, <laughs> but anyway, there it is. And, um, and you know, and Greg gave me an out. You know, he could see the, the terror in my eyes of like. I've been betrayed, you know, <laughs> Judas, where are you? It's Greg. Um, <laughs> but there was just like, oh, my God. Um, but God just was really pushing on me to do it. And Pastor Greg gave me an out. He's like, hey, if you just feel like you can't do this, it's, it's okay. You know, and I'm like, like, whenever someone says that, it means you have to do whatever the thing is, you know. And so... <laughs> And so I'm like, all right. And so I've never done this before, right? And so I literally remember being on, like, I was like, well, how much time until the first service? And they're like, like, two hours. And I was like, okay. Like, well, I'm going to go take a nap. And they're like, okay, yeah, good idea. And so they're like, Greg's taking a nap and Don's taking a nap. 
Um, I did not take a nap. Um, I was on my face um, begging and repenting, uh, doing everything I could think to do that's biblical to somehow gain the favor of God or something in my life. <laughs> you can't gain it. He loves you no matter what, okay? But I was like on my face. I locked the door because I was like, this is really embarrassing. I was just on my face like, God, please come through. <laughs> I can't make like, I mean, sometimes when you know somebody, you can just pray something that like, I don't know, like you pray a Bible verse or something. You're like, oh, it's good. Like, it's true, you know. Like, I don't know these people. I don't speak their language. I have no cultural context. Like, I, like in my head, this is a bad thought, but I was like, there's no way I can fake this. That's a very unspiritual thing that went through my head, but I was like, I, there's no way. I can't fake this. Like, I'm supposed to pray these things over these people, all prophetic and wonderfully. The, I, 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 so I'm totally out of my comfort zone, right? I don't know what to do. And, but I had an opportunity to trust God. And so I'm just on my face, and I just remember saying this, God, I trust you, and I trust that you have good things you want to say to these people, and that you want to use me, and I'll be your vessel. And so I just walk out, um, and it was, I mean, it, was, it was amazing. You know, someone who went from, like, I, I prophesied a few times over a few people to, like, they just kept bringing person after person after person after person, and we were there for, like, hours and hours just prophesying over people. And later I just asked, like, to their pastor, not to out Greg and Don, but I've never done this before. How was I? <laughs> like, was I totally horrible? You know, and they were just like, oh, my gosh, the words are so great. And they're so, you know, whatever, and so accurate. And I was just like, again, like, I was not in a position of control. I had no way of, of making this happen or faking it. But I, if I didn't put my trust in God, I would have totally missed out on, again, seeing that God, when we put our trust in him, as that Psalm says, Psalm 37, when we put our trust in him, God God acts. And this morning, I really want to challenge us. Are we putting our trust in him so he can act? Like we just live these safe, comfortable lives, don't we? I want to challenge us. In what ways are we not trusting God? In what ways are we holding back even his desire to show us his faithfulness, to show us his power. I will never be the same after those moments with him. Learning that he's gonna provide for me changed the rest of my life. It's not a fear. I know it's a truth. And I've experienced it over and over and over and over again putting my trust in him that when I step out in faith, that he's going to catch me. I have that truth that I know for the rest of my life. But if I don't give him the opportunity, if I don't be obedient, if I don't step out, then I just walk away being afraid of him asking me to do something. Now I'm excited. I'm anticipating, God, what do you want? If I don't step out and trust, now there's a fear of God asking me to do something because I haven't experienced that he's going to come through. God comes through every single time. Now, you might be in a, those three days right now. Can I ask the worship team to come up? You might be in those three days right now where you just don't understand 
like Abraham just didn't understand. But he's faithful. He is trustworthy. We have to start being obedient to the call that he's placed on our lives. I don't want us to be come to church Sunday morning Christians because just, I'm just gonna be honest, that's, that's lame. Like kudos to you, you're faithful to you come to church, but man, God has so much more for you. That's the thing that like when, when uh, that, that kills me as, as a youth pastor is like, I, I just want these young people to know God has so much more for them. Like he's endless. He's limitless. Walking day by day, step by step with the most powerful being in the universe is kind of a cool thing. And some cool things really happen. And I was listening to this message last week on, on revival. And this, this, this you know, teacher was kind of just talking about how do we, how do we prepare ourselves for revival? One of the things we need to be is we need to be combustible material, right? That when God, God wants to pour his fire out at all times. But are we a material that when the fire of God touches us, that we combust, that something happens, there's a response, an obedience, and a trust in him. Because I remember God saying this to me in, in a prophetic word when I was younger. I was like, I mean, Greg and Jess had an awesome, awesome youth ministry here at the church. When I took over from them, it was like, I don't know, like 50 people. And like two years later, I'm having like 10 kids show up on a Sunday night. And I'm like, oh my God, I've run this into the ground. I'm horrible. Like, God, I really have messed up. And I just remember Charlie Sweet saying this thing to me, Josh, I just feel like God has been, or you've been asking God, you know, God, why am I not seeing growth? Young man, God's saying, because you're not ready for the growth he wants to give you. And I was like, oh, like, I thought words are supposed to be like encouraging and edifying and building. Like, <laughs> but and then before he just, bam, he just hit me right here. And I just, it was a word from God. And I just knew, God, I'm not combustible material right now. I'm going through the motions. I'm showing up, but I'm not waiting for you to show out. So if we can even stand to our feet this morning, I wanna give us an opportunity to do two things. Now I wanna have some, some prayer time and some ministry time up here. So if, if, if you wanna respond to either of these two things, I wanna invite you to please come forward. And, and can we have, you know, if, if there's some, some leaders here, I don't know if, if, if you know, our elders or you know, our team or uh, small group leaders, ministry leaders, can we just be prepared to um, just pray for people as they come up, please? But the first thing I really wanna do, and I don't know, you guys have probably you know, heard of this, uh, this you know, um, Asbury College. You guys heard of this thing happening in Asbury, this just like pouring, God just pouring himself out. And he's, I mean, just, you know, busloads of students coming from all around the nation just to be in God's presence in this place. And it all started with this one person, like kind of without filter, repenting before everyone. Like it's at the end of their chapel service. And this kid's just like, you know, grabs, grabs a mic and just like, is, and, and weeping is just confessing and repenting like without filter, uncomfortably. And God did something in that moment. God responds to repentance. So the first thing I actually wanna do is, and I'm going up to this one, just so you know, like, can we repent? Can we, say, can we ask God to forgive us? 
right? Repentance means to turn and go a different way. Can we turn and go a different way from the ways that we haven't trusted him? I think God wants to call each and every single one of us deeper. I know that he wants to pour out his fire on the North Country and the world at large. But are we material that's combustible, that's waiting and ready and willing to respond to what God is gonna ask us to do? Because the only way to keep a fire going is to add fuel to it, right? Jesus says in John 4, his disciples are like, Jesus, you must be hungry. We wanna bring you food. We wanna bring you water. And he says, I don't need any of that. And they're like, did someone bring you food? And he says, no. And this is right after he ministers to the woman at the well. He says, no, I don't need that because I am fulfilled by doing the will and the work of the Father. There's a fulfillment. There's a joy in doing the work that God has set for you and for me. We wanna be people who experience that fulfillment, that life and life more so the first thing I just, I wanna open this, the front up to, if you need to repent for God, I haven't placed my trust in you in this way. I haven't placed my trust in you in this way, but God, that, that's ending today. I'm gonna turn and go a different way. And the second thing is, I just invite you to come up and ask God, there's nothing more holy about the front, but there's something in response and obedience. Like I think there's something significant in stepping forward. Like Abraham continued to step forward. I think there's something significant about coming forward and responding and stepping out. And so there's nothing more holy about this front, but I invite you to come to the front and to ask God, God, what would you have me do? How do you want me to trust you? And that's a dangerous question, but it's a question that will get you moving. It'll stir something in you so you can experience that life and life more abundantly. I don't want us to be Sunday come to morning or Sunday come to church, you know, people. I want us to be people who are living and experiencing the goodness and the faithfulness and the power of God. So can I just pray? And as I'm praying, um, I just invite you right now, if you wanna um, just, I, I need to repent. I need to, to change the way that I've been doing things. Or two, if you say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to step out? How have I not trusted you that, that needs to change today? There's, there's a blessing in obedience. I believe that as we step forward, like there's gonna be a blessing and God is gonna reveal something to you. So can we, can we pray for those two things? So Father, we just invite you right now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. We just thank you that you are faithful. God, we just thank you that you are good. God, we thank you that when we trust you act, God, this morning we place our trust in you. God, we repent of the ways that we haven't trusted in you. God, whether it be in our, our relationships, our decision-making, our finances, God, whatever it is, Father, we just ask right now for you to forgive us of the ways that we have not trusted you. And God, this morning, help us to repent, God, to turn and go a different way, to go toward you, to go toward trusting you this morning. Jesus, we pray that you move in our hearts, that there would be a response in us so we'd be able to taste and see the goodness of God, that you are faithful. Father, we thank you that you've shown yourself faithful over and over again. Father, we 
about you. God, come and have your way, not our will, but yours be done, we pray this morning, Jesus. We want to be a people who respond to you, who are obedient to you, God. We want to be combustible material, waiting for the fire of God to pour out on us so we can set others aflame as we go. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages steps down from glory to bear my sin. 
set us free for freedom's sake. That we, there are some of us out here who almost want to pay the cost ourselves. Like we're not willing to fully take that forgiveness because we have a guilt or a shame that we feel like we have to pay. And today he wants to set you free from that burden. There's a word of knowledge this morning as well that there is somebody with neck and shoulder pain. If that's you, please come up. God wants to set you free. We do not have to walk with these burdens alone. So even as we sing this song again, can we come up? If there is um, just an element where you need to say, God, I fully, fully give this to you. I trust you with my pain. And I know that you have something else for me.
in our in our staff meeting this week, Greg encouraged us to be ready for for people to share something, and Kevin just said he has something to share. So, you know, uh, one of the things that I feel that uh, God has been showing me for a period of time is that uh, our country and our world is going through some shaking, and we want to kind of stop and think and believe that it's just you know we don't know what it's going to look like, but I feel like. I, I think that it, there's going to be some challenges that are being in front of us. And so one of the things that um, I feel God is saying along with what Josh had to say today is that uh, some of us are being challenged to do things that don't seem to make sense, to step out and to do things however mundane or however silly they might seem. But one of the things God showed me probably a few months ago was the whole idea of Noah. What if Noah didn't trust God? You know, Noah looked out there and, you know, God asked him to build an ark. There was no water. There were no animals. You know, Noah kind of sat back and said, you know, didn't make sense. But it was, but he trusted God to step out to build a massive boat on land. I mean, how do you move it, right? He didn't have the equipment we have these days. So, you know, there are, there are you know, people that are being asked to step out and to do things that aren't making sense because they don't see the water. They don't see you know, they don't, they don't see the big the big picture of what God is asking them to do. Um, you know, and the thing is, the other idea too is when Josh has said, and I've, I've heard it before, but where we are weak, he is strong. And it kind of hit me for a moment because one of my things, that, one of my challenges I feel like is I, I, I always have a lot of things God is putting into my heart, but I feel like when I have to step in front of people to speak it, my mind goes blank. And, you know, to be able to, to, to have got something in my heart and speaking, I said, all right, God, you know, we're, we're, we're weak, you're strong, so you know I'm not a good public speaker. You know I'm not good at speaking in front of people. I get all tongue-tied and my mind kind of blanks, but here I am speaking, right? So not saying that it's a big thing, but I just really want to challenge us that no matter whatever it is that God is speaking to each and every one of us, there's challenges ahead of us in our country and our world that we have to face. And I think we need to dig deep. We need to trust him. We need to obey and step out whatever God is asking us. I would just encourage you, if, if there's something that God has dropped into your spirit, if he's given you a direction, if he's given you a thought, share that with somebody. Even before you, before you get in your car, before you go, just say, this is what God is saying to me and hold me accountable to that in some way. Find a friend, come up to me, find, find somebody just to share that, to, to take ownership of whatever God is saying to you today. God, we just thank you that you're inviting us to trust you. God, as we step into all that you have for the North Country, all that you have for New Testament Church, all that you have for us, for our homes, God, for us individually, you're inviting us to trust you. And God, we, 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 we step into that this morning. God, help us to walk that out, to live that life of adventure, to see life abundantly in, in all of us. God, we trust you and we, and we move forward in action today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you guys. Share with one another. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.